Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is October 7th, and our reading comes from Colossians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, Paul says this, Since we've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So Paul begins chapter 3 by saying, listen, let's keep our eyes, our attention, our mind set on the kingdom of God, on Jesus, on what is eternal. And if we're not careful, our attention is set on the here and now, what is temporary, this world, right? And he says, man, let's keep our eyes fixed on what is eternal. Because remember, all of this is temporary. But keeping our eyes on Jesus and his kingdom, that will last forever. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus and his kingdom, then it produces peace and rest and purpose and perspective and faith in our heart. When we keep our eyes fixed on this world, which is completely out of our control and kind of chaotic, it produces stress and fear and worry and anxiety and pressure, right? And so let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Verse 5, he says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. So he addresses these two big issues that were an issue in the Colossian church. And listen, they're an issue in the American church is that we've got to live in sexual purity. One of the real challenges about American culture is that sexual immorality is so available that it is very difficult to live in purity. It's available, it's free, it's, you know, it's just easy access all the time. So the truth is, we've got to fight for our freedom. I know for me personally, that means my phone and my computers, even my television at home, those things are on lockdown. When I travel, I don't travel alone. I mean, I just have taken some practical steps through the years to just guard my heart and never give myself the freedom to be in a position where I'm I'm vulnerable. I'm in danger of of doing the wrong thing. I want to finish. My purity is more important than that. My family is more important than that. God's more important than that, right? I want to protect my heart and protect my closeness to Tina, my family, my my God. I, I want to protect my reputation. And all of those things are true for you too. So let's fight for our purity. In fact, let me just say this. When we're living a pure life, it feels great to live strong and to feel clean. And when we're struggling with this, even if it's a secret and nobody knows and we think we're getting away with it, the truth is it is robbing us of faith and expectancy. You know, we feel weak, we feel dirty, we feel shame, and all of those things are working against all of our relationships and certainly our relationship with God. The second big issue he addresses is greed. 
materialism. And he uses some pretty strong language. He says, when we are struggling with materialism, when we're greedy, when we're consuming it all on ourselves, we're an idolater. We're in love with the world rather than being in love with God. Why would he say that? Because when we're with Jesus, when we're in love with the world, when he is our focus, then it begins producing generosity in our life. Why? Because God is generous, right? And so God wants us to live generous life. And in American culture, we've been so blessed. We have so much, which creates a tremendous opportunity and responsibility for us to give, to be generous, to help other people, help people in the church, help people in the community, our family, our friends. Let's do what we can to live generously and to help others. And I think this is one of the primary reasons that tithing is a biblical principle that I believe transcends Old and New Testament is because tithing, when I give the first 10% of my income, it allows me to say, God, I'm putting you first and I'm giving to you first and trusting you with my future. And it builds my faith and and helps me to make sure that I guard my heart, that Jesus really has first place and I'm not so caught up in the American dream that I lose sight of Jesus. So these are two big issues still today, sexual purity and generosity. Now, watch what he says next. He goes on to say, because, verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Oh my goodness, again, there it is. There's our mission statement again. As you're with him, you become like him, right? As you learn to know God, your creator, you become like him. And so Paul is encouraging us, let's get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander. Let's not lie to each other. Man, that's a good description of what's been happening in American culture recently, right? And so we don't want to live that way at all. We want Jesus to fill our heart and for him to fill our mouth with love and encouragement and peace rather than all this garbage we see in our culture. My relationship with Jesus has a direct impact on what comes out of my mouth and how I relate to people. Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So one way to evaluate my spiritual maturity, the condition of my heart, is to evaluate my words and my relationships, right? So let's not be like the world. Let's not use our word to hurt and tear down and discourage people. Man, let's use our words to encourage and to build up. Let's bring life into every situation because we're connected to Jesus and we're becoming like Jesus. Then in our culture, we begin to do what he did. Verse 12, since God chose you to be holy, the people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? That's what God wants from us. That's what he's trying to produce in our life. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you ought to forgive others. The truth is, if we understand forgiveness, if we understand all that Jesus has forgiven us for, it just seems ridiculous not to forgive other people. I I feel compelled to forgive because I've been forgiven of so much. 
Then he says, above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. What allows the church, what allows believers to live in harmony? It's love, love for God and love for each other. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful be grateful. See, when we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're getting to know God, we're with him, and he's transforming us. Then what Paul is describing here is the lifestyle, the character, the way of relating that you should see in the life of every believer. Verse 16, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God your Father. Man, I love that, right? Paul says that as we're walking with God, as we're allowing the love of God to fill us the gospel to encourage and strengthen us, man, we can then worship, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We have a spirit, a thankful heart. We're living with gratitude. And in our relationship with God, I mean, we're constantly giving thanks. We're just kind of overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace of God. Man, what this is, I'm just always blown away. I hope you're experiencing this every day. The word of God is so practical, so applicable, so relevant to where we are right now in this moment. God has a word for you. This is why it's so important that before we begin our day, we're opening the word and allowing God to speak to us, to challenge us. And I want to just encourage you as you're reading through these passages to pray through and to surrender your heart and to invite God to produce this life in you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person listening. I thank you for the, the power of your word and all that you're addressing in our hearts. And I pray that you'd continue to lead us all into strength and freedom and maturity. God, help us to live in a way that honors you. The way you're describing here, the way we were created to live, I pray that you would help us to do it by your spirit. Empower us, strengthen us, fill us, give us the faith to trust you in all of this. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with me. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.